Blog Talk Radio. kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. My name is Tracy and Leslie, and we are here just to hang out, have a good time, and talk about, think about what it's like to say yes to spirit and how our lives are different when we say yes to spirit and hopefully how our lives are better, <laughs> not just different. Studies show, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. We can, we can make up statistics as well as anybody else. Study shows that 89% of the time your life is better when you say yes to spirit. And today our theme and focus is going to be on creativity. And we have a hypothesis that creativity can be unleashed when you say yes to spirit. And um, so we'll see if that is true for us in our lives. We'll see how that shows up for Tracy and for Leslie and maybe that will encourage you to think about how it shows up in your life as well. And last week we talked about forgiveness. We did. And uh, and we had a very interesting awareness. Tracy had it uh, earlier on in the show than I did. I didn't have it until after the show when she said it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's so smart. She said that we really didn't touch on forgiving self. Not, not nearly enough. We so, touched on it, but yeah. we didn't, we didn't, like, play with it. Wallow around in it and just explore it. So we're actually going to have a show on that because I do think that's a huge thing. And I, and I do think it's very difficult to move into forgiving others until we are really at peace with our own situations and forgiving ourselves and embracing ourselves uh, along the journey where we are. So, But I, I appreciated that uh, topic last week, forgiveness, and I thought about that on and off and trying to forgive in real time and not carry those the, the baggage of unforgiveness, right? Because that exactly. just ends up being my baggage and, and the, the person. person <laughs> go ahead. The person you haven't forgiven has no clue, doesn't care. Well, no. I know. could just write them or something and say, I hate you. I haven't forgiven you. You should be suffering. You know, then maybe it might, you know, feel about feel better. But So that was a good topic. But we'll do uh, self-forgiveness in, another, in a few weeks. Down the road. I think three or four weeks we'll be able to schedule it in. But today it is all about creativity. And um, Maya Angelou said, we are all creative, but by the time we are three or four years old, someone has knocked creativity out of us. Some people shut up the kids who start to tell stories. Kids dance in their cribs, but someone will insist they sit still. By the time the creative people are 10 or 12, 
They want to be like anyone and everyone else. Mm. So um, I love the the implication there that, you know, especially with young children, you know, like we socialize being creative in your own unique way out of them. Mm-hmm. You need to conform. You need to sit still. You need to be quiet. And so maybe one of the things that we can talk about um, during the show today is both how we were encouraged mm-hmm. to be creative and what were those times when the, we might have been more creative, but it was kind of like, you know, pulled out of us, pushed out of us, squashed in versus some way. bad creativity versus the good <laughs> creativity, right? Yeah. So maybe let's take a break and then we come back. Let's start where the quote starts with the things that stop us from being creative or the things that we remember from childhood that that made us kind of pack our creativity mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And then later in the show we'll move into, well, wait, you know, how are we creative and what supported that? Awesome. I'll come back. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy, and we are, Leslie and I are here to encourage you on your spiritual path. Today's show, we're talking about creativity. And the Maya Angelou Angelou quote really um, gets me thinking about when I was a little kid, when I was Mm. small, and... um, you know, in what ways did I get the message that maybe my creative, my creativity wasn't good or wasn't appropriate? Right. And um, and and I can't think immediately of a specific example, but I do remember getting lots of exam- lots of messages about you know being quiet. When adults were around, mm-hmm. and uh, or if I were present, you know, if I were if if I were going to enter a room where there were adults, it's like no, there is a protocol. You know, you wait to be invited uh-huh. in, or if you're in the room, you know, it's more um, children are to be seen and not heard. Mm, right. And so, if you're in the room and there are adults or older people, then you should be sitting there quietly. We want your opinion, that's great, but none of that dancing around or singing. And and I think some of that's cultural, 
because in general in the U.S. we have a culture that puts all these atten- all the attention on a baby or a child. Oh, isn't she cute? Oh, isn't she, you know, look, what can she do now? Right. But when I think back to when I was growing up, and many of the African-American families that I'm familiar with, that's, that was not a cultural thing. You know, the children are not made the center of attention. The family is really important, mm-hmm. but all the attention is not on, let's see what, you know, what little Jenny is doing right now, and, and everything we do revolves around little Jenny. And you think that's shifted now? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't I don't know. Have no idea. Well, I I have a a, a pro mother and a con mother. How do you say a nice and not so nice? I always try to figure out different ways to say not so nice instead of bad. It's good. <laughs> nice and not so nice. Nice I and like not it. so nice example. Um, my mother taught school. She was a fourth grade school teacher. And every year she would do the bulletin boards, and it was such a big thing. Right at the beginning of the school year, before school would start, she would create this kind of theme for her class, and she was very creative. And she would get all this poster, huge sheets of paper and crayons everywhere galore, and she would start amassing this theme to put up into her room for mm-hmm. her new year. And she would say to me every year, Leslie, and I swear to God this is a quote, Go get your friend Suzanne because, you know, she's creative and she can draw and I need her help. And you're not. So you can call her in after we draw. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, you know, I was like, told, you're not creative. You can't draw, but you can call her in very clearly. But then, interestingly enough, when we would go to church, because we went to the Methodist church, and my twin sisters are nine years older, and I would doodle and mm-hmm. I would sit and, and, you know, kind of be restless in church. And on the way home, inevitably, my sisters would say something to, oh, Mommy, Leslie was so loud, and she was doodling, and you need to make her stop, and she needs to sit quiet. And Mother would always say, no, that's not natural for a small girl. The little, little girl can't sit still, and she's doing so good, and she's just doodling, and that's so cute, and you don't need to be worried about Leslie. So I thought that was so cute. You know, it was like two different examples there that I remember, but the message, you know, and still to this day, if somebody says, let's draw some, I'm like, oh, no, I can't draw. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> did I have that reaction to it? <laughs> Even though I can color it in, but I can't you draw. draw it. Mm-hmm. I'll draw it, you color it mm-hmm. in, right? Well, you know, and I, I, I think many of us get a mixed message where mm-hmm. we get both sides of the coin because, I, on the other hand, I did get so many messages about being creative um, now, if we look at the artistic side of being creative, then I, you know, I was in dance lessons before I was in school. Oh, awesome! And I was, you know, we had all of my, I'm the youngest and youngest child in my family, and all of my older sisters and brothers um, played instruments or, you know, took music lessons or sang or. So there was always, you know, a lot of the arts in mm. in my house, and I started taking piano lessons when I was probably about six or seven. Um, so in that sense, being artistic and being creative in the arts was pushed. I mean, it was a requirement for me in grade school to take an instrument. I'd already been taking piano wow. for 
several years before fourth grade when you start taking, you know, music lessons in school. And I danced all through my 20s. I mean, I really wanted to or because I wanted to. to. Okay. So, and so that whole, you know, there was a push there that there is creativity and there is artistic creativity, and that's important to be a well-rounded person. The the difference was there's a time and a place for that. Ah. You know, so the messages I got about just being creative, um, whether it was artistic or just being creative and interacting and funny and about finding your own thing and then building on it, uh-huh. you know, that was kind of a, a, a no message. Uh, be still, you know, sit there, be quiet unless we ask you something. And that kind of shuts off, I think, that creative mind of a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but yes, it was countered on the other hand by you know these these really powerful messages that made art, the performing arts especially, so much a part of my life. And I had an older sister like you, who I had an older sister like you. I had two older sisters as you did. And um, one of them is very artistic in terms mm. of visual, you know, artistic ability. And um, and that was inspiring to me, but I didn't feel I had the talent. So I would trace. You know, I would see <laughs> something that she had drawn, <laughs> yeah. at, you know, in an old notebook or something, and I would trace it uh-huh. because I didn't really, I didn't believe that I was artistic mm. in that regard. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting to me that when we think of creativity, and certainly when I think of creativity, you know, I just go straight to that drawing or painting or any of those other yeah, that's, things. And, Is that what you were? Right. Yeah. No, but, you know, we don't have a video cam, a uh-huh. webcam uh-huh. on us right now, but I was getting ready to write your note. <laughs> right. Because I, I agree. I think, you know, we say, are you creative? And that whole thing about, well, no, I'm not an artist, or no, I can't draw, or no, I can't, you know, sing. And and I think that we do ourselves a disservice because we're all creative. You, I, I don't think you can be, well, I guess it is possible to be human and not be creative, but it, I think it's, that's such a rare exception, you know, so you find yourself in a sticky situation, and it's something you've not experienced before, and you've got to get out of it, get through it, get around it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's one way of being creative. You know, I've been faced with scenarios or situations that I never could have imagined, and then you're there. What are you going to do? Well, you create a response to that. You create a new way to look at it. You create um, some some skill tool or community that helps you get through it. And the phrase that, you know, we use a lot in, in my terminology at church is, you know, co-create. I had not really heard that phrase before. I guess I heard the secret four or five years ago and then at the Center for Spiritual Living that phrases said a lot, but prior to that I had not really heard co-create. And so that is, that is, as I understand it, Tracy will help me understand it if it's my understanding is not correct, but, you know, it's like co-create 
when I got up and drove my car this morning, I was co-creating my day. I mean, to the extent that the co-creation is, is everything that I'm doing is a is an evolution of who I am and of God expressing through me. So the co-creation of everything, even you know the nuts and bolts of life, is still part of co-creating who I am in the world. Yes, no, maybe. Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm waiting for the true, true answer there, really. Yeah, we just have to, like, get rid of uh-huh. some of that. I like, I like co-create. I like that word, though. I like it a lot. And I think it empowers me to understand that I, you know, there is always some sort of creation going on. There's some sort of impulse to life going on. And, and it's my choice to, you know experience that person that I'm standing in line at 7-Eleven next to and really, you know, embrace that moment and be fully present and um, engage in that moment or stand on the sideline of the moment and watch the moment go by. But either way, that's my choice. That's me co-creating that moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, in religious science and in new thought in general, you know, divine science, unity, um, independent religious, ind- independent new thought centers as well. Um, but in general, that that idea that as a human being, we are human beings having, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and so we are co-creating with the divine the experience of life. Mm-hmm. And that the the impulse of life is about creating. So the impulse of spirit, impulse of God, is is to love and to live, to live life. So through each one of us. Mm. So in that sense, whatever we do is because we have free will. Is um, you know, it's okay, it's our choice, but we are still co-creating that with the divine because we can't do it by ourselves. Right. And so that, I, I'm, a lot of the time when co-create is being used in religious science, you know, that you go back to Ernest Holmes and you read all of, you know, some of the things that he wrote, and it comes up in that sense that we are co-creating with the divine spirit our life. You know, we think, we choose, we, you know, place an order for what we want, right. and God helps our spirit makes that happen through law. So, and I, I, I think I like that term. I think I really got excited about it when I first started hearing it, and I, um, I don't think I had a really good feeling about being creative. And then as I started to embrace that idea, it is, and and as you said at the top of the show, it's like. The saying yes to spirit make us more creative. I don't know if you use the word more, but does it does it help us, you know, gain access to what's already there? Yeah, I think that's really true. Well, yeah, and I, you know, so that's how we often use co-create, create, especially if we're talking about spiritual principle or standing on a spiritual foundation. Um, but we get a little messy with it too because. You know, we also talk about co-creating community and co-creating relationships and co-creating in more the human form that mm. together you and I and 300 other people co-create 
the Center for Spiritual Living Dallas. Mm-hmm. And all of us together are doing that, you know, hopefully guided by saying yes to spirit. And so we are co-creating it with the energy of God. But often we really say it on the human level. But I agree with you. When we really stop, take a breath, and think about co-create, I I have the opportunity and responsibility right. to co-create my life. This moment, even beyond that. I mean, I really get into that all day. I try to really be, you know, what do you call it, uh, conscious of that. <laughs> What's that word that I try to be? Conscious. That's right. That helps. Could you be conscious of using the time. word conscious? I that to survey too. But, yeah, I try to be conscious of that, that you know, that, that every moment I am co-creating. And I love what you said about, you know, in love because that is just always the choice. Always the choice. Am I going to co-create out of love in this moment? And I'm going to be present in this moment. Am I going to be awake in this moment? Or am I just going to kind of pass it by? Yeah, and that that I agree is kind of really the crux of not the artistic creativity, right. but the that we may have talents that are that translate into the visual arts or the performing arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether we have that or not, we have all these other talents that we can mine to co-create a fabulous life. Ernest Holmes said, uh, quote, we have as much creative power as we allow to flow through us, end quote. Because it's flowing, right? It's whether or not we allow it to flow with a, with a, you know, raging rapids or just a little tiny trickle. Because it's, it's flowing, it's our choice. I think. It's my choice, I think, of how fast or strong or weak or slow the current is. And we are always co-creating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's good. And then, oh, I hated to hear that. Ah, uh, like, yeah. We are now always. Now I'm accountable. I'm so mad that I, mean, I didn't co-create that. I don't know right. what you're talking we about. We are always yeah. co-creating. That's, yeah, that's always. So whatever is showing up in our lives, right? You know, we can look back and say, hmm, you know, not so much how did I cause this, but what are what am I thinking, what am I focusing my attention on mm-hmm. that is showing up in this way? So, you know, a lot of times people, especially in New Thought, will do that, oh, well, if I'm responsible for everything, then, you know, this bad thing is happening and I didn't ask to have cancer or mm-hmm. I didn't make a request you know, that my beloved dog would die. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. And so, no, we don't necessarily choose the specific things, but what are we paying what are we paying attention to or what are what energy are we focusing on and and also how are we living in within the natural flow mm-hmm. of the cycle of life. Mm-hmm. And so some things don't happen to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they happen around us, and our choice is what do we do? How do we respond? Create, you know, how do we co-create our response versus exactly. reacting? You know, that's an old, old therapy thing. Respond or react? You have a choice. You know, there was before I learned the co-create word, I, I, I tried to make a choice to respond and not react. So, you know, there's always a thousand ways to say the same thing, I think. Exactly, depending on what context you put around it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So um, let's, do we have a devotion? We have a devotion. Do we have a devotion? That's it. Or do we need to lead up to it? I'm not saying that doesn't sound like some sort of side judgment that fits to this moment, you know? Well, we do sort of. Let's think. Do we need to take a break first, or do we need to go right into a devotion? Let me go right into devotion. Okay, good. Let me just make breath. This one, it does kind of fit. Uh, The title is Dormant. I sat down to write my devotion and noticed my Internet connection was not live. I could see the Internet on my screen, but did not have access to it. I looked at the connection box and saw the word dormant. I had not used my Internet for several hours, and this lack of use had caused me to lose access to the stream of live energy known as the Internet. I had to reboot the recon- to reconnect the live signal. <coughs> Tracy, you're to read this. I can't read. <coughs> If I had kept using the Internet, I would not have lost the live connection. I realized my spiritual connection is much like this. When I am in constant contact with God, the connection stays live, and I have access to all my spiritual program authors. Peace, joy, acceptance, love, light, and laughter. When I stop practicing my daily program, I have to be I have to reboot myself to reconnect to spirit. I have a hunch God's connection to me is always steady, always sure, always alive. It is my choice to stay connected through daily meditation, conscious contact, and active awareness of God in my everyday. If I choose not to do those things, I allow my live connection to God to go dormant. I'm glad we don't have a camera in here because I was about to die. It would have been on film right there. But that just uh, sort of fits the idea of, I think, creativity and the connection to God is kind of always something present. And it's whether it's my choice to stay connected or not. Yeah, and I, I do, when we're not aware that that... The, create, the creativity that is a part of everyday life, of getting from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., you know, of going, of getting through an hour of our day, that there is a creative energy, a creative spark. We are creating right. our life experience. And, and that, you know, can happen on automatic where we're not thinking about it and then we don't like the outcome. Or we can be intentional and conscious in creating or or co-creating as we've been talking about. Well, that's an interesting change. Well, maybe so it's not really maybe a, a true connection to the word dormant now that I'm thinking about it because the, the creative flow or the spirit flow doesn't go dormant. The flow is still there, but my connection to it your conscious awareness of it. My conscious awareness of it shuts down. Yeah, and I like the connection because I think about, um, yeah, if I'm on, if, with my laptop and, mm-hmm. and and you know, even without the Internet connection, but the same thing. So you have your laptop open, and after a certain amount of time or you're monitoring your screen and it goes to sleep, 
Or like you're not using it, right? To save battery power, mm -hmm. you know, and then you turn around and it's like, wait a minute, I wasn't ready for you to go to sleep, you know, mm -hmm. I was just off doing something else. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. It goes dormant because I'm not paying attention to it. Okay, well then that yeah, that does yeah. Work. And so. it, I mean, the the internet connection mm -hmm. was available to you. Mm -hmm. The internet connection was still alive. Mm -hmm. It's just your connection to it wasn't was was temporarily dormant because it didn't seem to be being used. Right. Um, and that is how I kind of reboot. I think is through those through a daily meditation, through reading, through my conscious contact. So um, I think that's, that's a smart place for us to take a little break. And then when we come back after the break, we'll do what we so often love to do, which is begin to talk about spiritual practices. Yes. So what are the spiritual practices that move you from dormant or being on automatic into being really consciously aware of the fact that you have creative choice mm -hmm. and um, what spiritual practices help us then um, use, use creative choice and creativity in our lives. Awesome. Path hosted by Tracy and Leslie. So ways that we keep our connection live, ways that we do that. You know, of course, this thing we always talk about is meditation. And for those of you uh, who are listening for the first time or, or haven't joined on a live meditation on Tuesday nights from 10:30 to 11, um, the same dial-in number. You can get uh, a live meditation experience, and then it's archived, so you can go back. And uh, if you're new to meditation, Tracy does nice things to kind of help us uh, get involved in a 30-minute meditation and uh, be able to break it up and get some prompts throughout. And uh, if you're like me and just like to do different kinds of meditations, we also try to expose everybody to different kinds of med meditations. And if you're in the Dallas area, uh, the Center for Spiritual Living is now offering meditation uh, from 7 to 7.30 every morning, a quiet space to start your day and connect to God. So, um, you know, I do think, though, meditation, we talk about it a lot, 
Uh, but really, you know, practicing it can be challenging. My sister's starting to try uh, to meditate every day and uh, working with John and Linda Caswell's concept of, you know, starting out five minutes. And yesterday I had a conversation with her, and she's already projecting, let's see, next month I have to do 20 minutes. There's no way I can do 20 minutes. And I said, well, let's just wait till next month. <laughs> you know, we, might, we might be in a different place. I don't know, maybe. All right, just keep doing five minutes. Right, right, as right. As long as you do five mm-hmm. minutes and... I remember when I first started meditating on a regular basis, um, you know, I I would just promise to do five minutes or I would promise or plan to do ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I realized that I was doing 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but my commitment to myself was to do ten minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but at that point. And to just, you know, see what happened. Right. And if I wasn't, if I didn't have a timer, I wasn't pressed for time, often I would, you know, do much more than 10 minutes. And once I had been doing that for a while, Mm -hmm. then I felt really comfortable saying, okay, well, I can go to 20 to 25 minutes. Because I was already doing it, you know, three out of four times that I meditated anyway. So, yes, we don't need to set, set, you know, goals that we aren't ready for yet. But so meditation is one of the ways to get in touch with that inner voice of, you know, what should I be doing? How could I react in this situation? What's my very next step? Um, so when we think about, you know, what should I do next, another standard visual, standard um, spiritual practice is visioning. And so... Um, that is is a practice of of being bringing the future to us in the present, even though we don't know what's in the future, but we do. Our inner voice knows. Mm. You know, we right. get we get some pattern or some inclination from from God or from spirit, and in some ways, it's very much like a meditation, except that. Um, a visioning process has a little bit more structure to it and usually directs you to think about some specific questions. Um, and in our in our practice, we very in the in religious science, we really use most of us use a visioning process that was originally developed by um, Michael Bernard Beckwith for visioning. Ah, the secret guy. Any on the secret? <laughs> well, that's an interesting way to categorize him. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of the people in one the One of the secret guys, yeah. I just remember but that I, thing. I think it's, like, for those of us who were familiar with him before the secret. Oh, you're on that side of the crowd. Yeah, 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 I just like, the oh, yeah, he did the secret. No, it's, it's like okay. he has so much, you know, more. Um, those groupies of us are just, you know, known as <laughs> the secret ones. It's interesting you mentioned visioning because I've never really done visioning. And Reverend Petra did a visioning thing yesterday in church, and it was um, really, really wonderful. And I, I think that the concept of spending time, because I think I got confused between meditation and visioning. I think I was using my meditation time sometimes to do what now I understand is visioning. Mm-hmm. And to kind of separate those two things out has been something that I've just kind of thought about in the last few months, and I think it's going to be very helpful to me to make my visioning more specific 
and the, the questions, do you know, because you're smart like that, uh, how the, the sequence of, of the process of visioning? or So the first question is always, always, what is the highest vision that spirit has for my life or for this project or for, you know, whatever you're visioning about. So if we were visioning about, um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking. Laughing with it, and not at. No, if we, had been, if we had done the visioning process before we started the show, Say Yes to Spirit. Ah. Instead of doing deciding it? on Friday and starting the show uh -huh. on Monday. Yeah. Yes. That we w so. might have phrased it, what is the highest vision that Spirit has for this radio show? So you get in sort of a meditative state. That was that's right. what we did yesterday, and you kind of create a, an opening or a space for yeah. So you do the meditate. You you are in a meditative state. You need to be centered and grounded and all of that. And then when you are sure that that's there, and you can do it individually, or you can do it with a group of people all visioning about the same person or the same event or the same Oh, project. like I could vision for you a project. Right. If you asked me to. Right. Interesting. Okay. Right. So if I were starting a new business to have a group of four people or six people agree to vision, do visioning with me for, you know, once a week for six weeks, awesome. that we, we could do that. So whatever it is you're focusing on as your vision, that first question is always, what is the highest vision that spirit has for this? Okay. okay. But, but for this example, let's talk about as if we were just doing it individually on our own. So okay. the question would be, what is it that spirit has, what is the highest vision that spirit has for my life? Okay. And then you just are quiet and still to see what comes forth. And that I could be, pad, buddy. that could be a, a picture, an image, it could be a word, it could just be a feeling. Oh, I feel warm and tingly. I mean, it, it, it's not always the same, even for, for me when I'm doing visioning. Sometimes it's very visual, and I actually kind of see like a movie playing, and I, you know, look to see what the story is. And other times it, it is nothing like that, and it might be just a, a word that comes or something I don't even really understand. Yeah, mine yesterday was a sunrise. So that's my highest purpose, to be a sunrise. No, that's, so... That's what I thought, was a sunrise. It kept coming. Yes, and to see the sunrise. So and then the picture of the sunrise is all I got when, I, when she asked that first question. And so the, the thing that's great about visioning is what you kind of interjected there, that before you start, as you're, you know, getting centered, you give yourself permission to jot down notes about what you see at each question so that the linear part of your brain is not trying to remember it. Oh, right, yes. And you want to be able to release and go to the other the other questions. And the, the other questions are, um, who do I need to become, you know, for this vision to come true or this highest vision? Um, what do I need to embrace? And what do I need to release? So who do I need to become, uh, what do I need to release, and what do I need to embrace? And those, you know, can be the order, the sequence is not quite as critical, although most of the time when I've been envisioning that other people facilitate it, mm -hmm. almost always release has been the last question, but not always. Mm, okay. So kind of like once you've thought about what's the highest vision and, you know, what do I need to embrace or learn or grow and what is it that I need to become or who do I need to become, 
um, it, then it's kind of, okay, now what do I need to drop? Mm -hmm. But for me, it's been just as effective when a facilitator of a visioning did, what do I need to release as the second question? Mm. You know, what's the highest vision for this particular thing and what do I need to release? So the sequencing, and once you've done the first one, doesn't is not is not super critical, although right. it's usually taught in a specific sequence. So visioning can be really powerful That's in terms of in terms of co-creating, in terms of um, creating, being creative in your approach to life, mm -hmm. because the answers that come to you are not coming to you from your normal analytical linear thinking. And most of the time, for most people, um, and Reverend Peter did say this yesterday too, that you know you want to you want to have a visioning session several times before you think you know what it means. Oh, so right. when you said you saw the sunrise, it's like great. So do four visioning sessions a week apart and see if you get a sunrise every time. Mm -hmm. And you might, and then say, okay, so what does that sunrise represent? Mm -hmm. Am I the sun rising on a new chapter in my life? Mm -hmm. Or am, you know, is the sun come? I mean, what does it mean? Right. And you'll have a better sense of it after four or five times than you would just from one visioning session. That makes sense. So make visioning a more routine part, which I have not done. So that would be a good um thing to add to my spiritual practice. And I hate that because really I just thought I had my spiritual practice down and that I was, you know. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, well. That's good. That's good though, once a week. I think that would be a good thing. And probably what I would do is add it at the end of my meditation once a week because then I would be kind of in a more centered spot. And you just, could be more confident that you weren't driving right, right, the message more separated because it's something you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, another practice that we've talked about in the past that I think is really, really applicable with this one is, you know, we've talked about journaling and we've talked about morning pages. Mm -hmm. And um, Julia Cameron, when she wrote The Artist's Way, the book The Artist's Way, and created this process, it was all about not being a, a painting, dancing, visual, performing artist. It really was all about unleashing the creativity that we all innately have so that you can live a fuller life. And uh, one of her quotes is, in order to retrieve your creativity, you need to find it. Mm. I ask you to do this by an apparently pointless process I call the morning pages. End quote. I love the, the first sentence of that. In order to retrieve your creativity, you need to find it. Right. Like you need to figure out for you how what's the creative spark in you, in your life, however it is, whatever you are doing, whatever your profession is. And the idea of, you know, writing three pages every morning, very first thing before you do anything else, even if they don't seem to make any sense, you're not trying to write a book. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to create uh, the next best-selling poetry. You know, you're just whatever comes to mind, scribbling it down or, or capturing it first thing in the morning. And uh, the way that she describes her morning pages, our morning pages are three pages of longhand, stream of consciousness writing done first thing in the morning. There's no wrong way to do morning pages 
They're not high art. They are about anything and everything that crosses your mind, and they are for your eyes only. And the whole purpose, you know, when you if you do her whole process, like a 30-day process, or, you know, say I'm going to do this process for six months. But if you do the 30-day process and you do morning pages every morning, it's not what you write on day one or even day three or day 15. It's looking at it after 30 days or after three months and going, oh, now I see a pattern. Mm -hmm. These are the kinds of things that excite me. These are the things that always irritate me. I need to get those out of my life. These are the things that make me giggle. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm bored and I can't think of anything, wow, I notice I always start writing about my dog. Oh, well, you know, there's a, a connection with joy for you and your dog because that's where you go. So it's the pattern that reteaches us to notice and appreciate our own unique creativity, our own unique creative approach to life that was probably taken out of us, as Maya said, by the time we were, you know, 3, 4, or 12. Mm-hmm. Reconnection. And thank you for bringing up the spiritual practice that I wasn't able to do that week that I tried to do the writing <laughs> two weeks ago. Now, see, that... <laughs> that's okay. Yes, I thought of that. <laughs> Would I have mentioned it? No. That's it. That's it. That's it. No, let me. But, yeah, you know, I do journal. You like this guilt thing. Yeah, huh? you know, it's a what way of life. What kind of spiritual practice is It's a way of life. It's, it's, it's a comedian, really. Um, it, but the journaling has always been a huge part of my life. I have journals that will be burned the minute I die. I have three people that know where they're hidden, right? Because I've always journaled. And it's really been a, a huge outlet for me. And when I don't journal, I find that that's very much a, a practice that... Um, when it when it's not happening, I, I go dormant pretty quickly. <laughs> so journaling, I think, is a huge thing. And I love to journal or write with my left hand. Yes, because that's kind of a trickle thing to get you connected to a little bit more creative side. Or Only if you're right-handed. Oh, true, and you're left-handed. See there, there you go. And left-handed people are supposed to be just born more creative DNA. Did you hear that statistic? I heard that since we're making up statistics today. And I did hear oh, that. but it's true. Left-handed people are the most creative. They're the genius people in the world. Yeah, we people are. And people that have little spaces in their front two teeth are supposed to be more creative, too. I really read that somewhere, too. You read a lot, don't you? I do. Really important things. <laughs> so uh, what other practices do we have that um, help us along the way? You know, I have a, a devotion. You think I can read through it? I'm sucking on a cough drop. I don't know. Here, I'm going to put this really close to you in case I, in case I uh, can't. can't uh, just just read. It. Just read. Okay. Because another thing that I do that connects me to creative energy is um, walking. I used to run. Don't do that anymore. But um, now I'm trying to get back into the walking routine, and that's a huge thing for me to get some sort of physical activity in my day. I love it. And this one is called No Time on walk. Doggone it. I forgot my phone. A few blocks away from my house, I realized I had forgotten my phone on my morning walk. My phone is my timekeeper. It tells me how fast I am walking, when I need to turn around, 
and if I should take Route A or Route B back to my house. I decided to walk without the phone and see what, if anything, was different with no official timekeeper. Walking back into my house, I saw I had walked for almost an hour and a half. Usually I walk 30 minutes, and because I watch the time so closely, many mornings those 30 minutes feel like three days. I realized not being focused on time opened me up to the experience of the now. I have a hunch God lives only in the now, flowing forward naturally with no concept of time. During my walk, I saw fabulous houses I had never seen, met the friendliest walkers, got to see a great big garden flag with a red bird on it, and walked almost three times as long, never feeling tired. I realized walking in the now freed me from the rigid confines of time, and it is the rigidity that exhausts me. I can choose to focus on time, or I can choose to focus on the now. Trusting time will take care of itself as I give in to the natural flow of life. I'm pleased I got through that without coughing. Thank you, thank you. But, uh, you know, that kind of brings up a couple of other things, too, as well as the physical practice of doing something physical, and I'm a big believer in that, and if there was a camera in here, you would not think it, because I'm not really physically fit, so I'm not doing it for that the, the, for that outcome, necessarily, but I really am a big believer that doing something physical opens up the creative connection, or just the connection to something outside of myself, if I you know, get those endorphins firing. And then the concept of being free from time or not getting caught up in some rigid, you know, I've got to do this in a certain period of time or I've got to do this in a certain way or there's a certain route that I have to take on my on my walk. All of those things kind of narrow down the creative juices. So the more open I can be and the more present I can be to the now, I think the more opportunity, the creative flow, the ability to say yes to spirit, you know, is is awakened. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I just thought about, too, is not so much a spiritual practice, although, you know, there are a lot of things you can really, that can become a spiritual practice. And, uh, but let me talk about it, and then we'll talk about what we could label it. So one of the things that came to mind is similar to Julia Cameron's artist date, which she she recommends in the artist way that you plan at least once a week, um, a, a you know an event an outing where you go do something that you that interests you. Oh yeah, I did that years ago. I've forgotten that. And, That's right. And you know, that. it's not so much that it has to be a cultural artistic right. event. But just something that interests you, and um, and and what I so it's similar to that. And what I often suggest to people when I'm doing diversity training is to give themselves a learner's permit and to really, you know, stop doing everything on automatic mm. and you know once a week or once or twice twice a month, you know, really intentionally mm-hmm. go do something they haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Now, things we haven't done before come into our lives all the time, and part of our, we know that we have, um, that we're co-creating, we have strong creativity when 
things can happen and we then adjust to it and go with the flow um, or know how to react or respond. But part of training for that mm-hmm. is to intentionally put ourselves in situations that are not our own norm. And so that's what kind of came to mind for me, that one of the ways to really say yes to spirit yes. And to say yes to the creative energy that comes from spirit mm-hmm. is to say, wow, you know, hmm, I'm going to go try that. I'm going to go try something new. Or, wow, you know, I, I haven't been to the Dallas Art Museum Thursday night jazz in the atrium in three years. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, that sounds interesting. And I'm going to do that next month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's choosing to do something that is not a part of your rote routine mm-hmm. that reminds you that it really is all about choice. And even simple things like getting a different food at your favorite restaurant. Yes. Or taking a different way home. Yes. Those are little things that I'll do, you know, kind of spice it up a little bit and just do different things as far as getting out of that routine because that routine can almost blind me to anything you know, uh, spontaneous or new, and right. I like what I like. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would say. and, and that's not to say all routine is bad, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but right, when you're just so locked into it that you're not exercising your muscles of of creating the experience you want to have in whatever is going, in the context of whatever is going on, mm-hmm. if you don't exercise that muscle, then you don't have it to use when you really need it. Right. So in that sense, I think it it is a spiritual practice if I'm doing that in the context of I'm going to say yes to spirit and where is spirit leading me? Mm-hmm. What books might I read? Yeah, you know I'm used Different, to reading yeah. these authors and you know this, but you know what is what direction is spirit taking me and what books are out there about that? So it doesn't have to be you know taking art lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to to be in the artistic realm to be creative. And doing creative buddy things, you know what I'm saying? Kind of having a, a buddy night, you know, a creative night, and the one person gets to choose. I, I worked with some people, and one person got to choose, and it was a surprise to the rest of us. In the initial phases of that outing, I didn't think that was very fun at all. Because <laughs> I was like, I would like to know, and I would say, I want to know so I can get excited, and I really wanted to know just so I could know, you know. But it was really a fun process for me to not have to know. It was good for me. Really, really, that's a great example. (coughs) So, yeah, I get three or four people together, and everybody has, you know, once a week, and everybody has one time a month, they have to plan the outing, something different, go-kart riding. Right, whatever comes to mind that would be a little bit different from what we normally do or what we're so accustomed to doing. So yeah, give yourself a giving yourself a learner's permit or thinking of it as the artist date, you know, planning something and choosing it. You know, the fact that you're choosing to do something that is a little out of the ordinary for you is is a really powerful message to your own inner voice. That oh, oh, you mean I'm free to do something different? Oh, oh, you mean I don't have to do it the way that we've done it for the last 15 years? Oh, you know, if right. that, that's kind of how I hear that inner voice going, oh, okay. 
And once that language shift, I can, I mean, that language shift is huge. Once you get into that shift of I'm choosing, then you're kind of stuck with understanding you're choosing everything. Yeah. And so it's not such a huge shift when things aren't going in a direction that I want them to be going. You know, I can kind of nurturingly say to myself, well, I'm choosing this. Let me make a different choice versus getting in a fight with myself saying, I'm not choosing this. Who the hell would choose this? I wouldn't choose this. Nobody would choose this. So, you know, being able to get into that conversation about the good things that I'm choosing and to see how I'm co-creating that, then it kind of subtly changes that script in my head that says, okay, I'm choosing everything. So So maybe that's about all we have on creativity. When we made the list of topics and themes for our weekly show, Mm -hmm. we just picked some words at random. We didn't really sit down and go, well, this would be a good topic and this would not, except for judgment. I didn't want judgment. (laughs) And uh, and so I like the way, and and really what we are doing is saying yes to spirit and seeing how we can create a link between you know, a variety of themes and how that theme shows up in our lives when we say yes to spirit and how we can be stronger in that way. And what um, is uh, next week are we saying? Yes next to? week we are honoring Nan's suggestion awesome. and talking about perception. And mm-hmm. if we're really lucky, we'll get Nan to dial in and maybe talk to us a little bit about what her thoughts were when she suggested perception as a topic. Oh, that's a good follow-up to creativity, mm-hmm. I think, is perception. Yeah, I think we'll I be... see a lot of connections to two words. Yeah. Glad so, I came. Any of you who are listening in or listening to the recording, if you have suggestions for topics that Leslie and I can talk about, uh, please uh, put them on the on the Blog comments or page, comments, comments to this week's show, and we'll just add those into the schedule in a few weeks. Uh, Leslie already mentioned that you might want to join us on Tuesday evening from 10.30 to 11 p.m. Central Time, where we do a weekly meditation that allows us to say yes to spirit and to be in intentional contact with God in our days. And uh, next week we'll be back with Perception, and I think check that's out all. The, other check out the God in My Day Website, website godinmyday.com. You're not on that. It has a bunch of cool things and quite a few meditation videos that you can click on and get like four or five minutes of background song. Um, right, or affirmations or all kinds of inspiration. Oh, affirmations. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope you have a fabulous week. best-reviewed movie of Christmas with an incredible 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The perfect blend of action, heart, and humor. Not just a great Transformers movie, a great movie, period. Bumblebee, now playing. Rated PG-13.